Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Creatives Ignite. And I it's a special Saturday episode, so I appreciate everybody that is here and came live. It's awesome to see my good friend Will in the chat who teaches at the normal time, uh, so we can't come anymore live on Wednesdays. So I love the Saturdays. And today is the last day that are the last podcast of the month for Love on Designers. And then we're starting a new series next Wednesday of where are they now? That was supposed to sound dramatic, but anyway, <laughs> probably did it anyway. Um, but today I am here with my friend Jody Collins. Jody and I met at an AIGA retreat Um in North Carolina, I believe Amy Lyons was there as well. I don't remember what year it was. Do you? But Jody and I sat at the same table, or we were in, um, we were, uh, we were, we were in a group. They put us all in yeah. groups and places. And Jody is in Knoxville, Tennessee. So um, my mom will ask me, "Is he a Tennessee fan?" So yes, yes, okay, yes, okay. <laughs> So War Eagle, um, Amy Lyons, oh I got I got at least me oh and Amy. God. I'm Auburn upside down today. But anyway, we won't talk about football. Paul doesn't like football. We're not. Okay. Probably 2016. You. Yeah. 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 You don't talk don't about care. football. <laughs> yeah. It's totally fine. I mean, that's what a real fan is, though. You know, good or I know. bad. I mean, y'all had I some had, bad years, buddy. <laughs> I had like 15 to 20 years of that, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay that's right we all have and um Morris here and she's in Cary North Carolina okay so Jody I want uh, one of the reasons I wanted you to be on in love on designers is because you have such a great story of mentors really pouring into your life and from that you have just taken it and you have like gone with abandon and pouring into other people's life you love community you want to make sure that it is working I think Will and you would be really good friends for that as well He's also really community driven, but like it is something that just drives you. So I, it's, I, this week on Love on Designers, I would love for you to spend the next week, the next seven days, just reaching out to people. Maybe it's somebody who wrote a book. Maybe it's an old teacher. Maybe it's somebody that you've lost touch with um, and just tell them how much. Send them a DM, a email, a physical letter. Tell them how much they meant to you and what what specifically they did that helped you make it through or get you get through it. And Jody, you have some specific things that I want. You have a few people who poured into you in high school. Um, so tell them who you are, where you are, what you do, and then let's go straight into these mentors. Okay. Oh my God. I feel like I'm on an episode of the bachelor or something, even though I haven't watched an episode of the bachelor. My name is Jody Collins. Uh, I am born and raised in Knoxville, Tennessee, go balls. Uh, I, I, I won't refrain from singing Rocky top. Oh, I do right love here. Rocky top. I do. I love Rocky top. I always sing it when it comes on. Um, John's like, that's my husband is John. He's like, uh, that is for the other team. I was like, I don't know. It's such a good song. I just got to sing it. Uh, let's see. Born and raised here. Uh, I'll try to not to go into too much depth, but the high school I went to was a, uh, vocational school. And in 1992, when I started in high school at age of 13, there were only two computers in the entire school. And both of the, one of them was in the print shop called graphic arts. And the other one was in drafting. I knew I wanted to work in computers. So I took print shop and, uh, 
I'll leave it at that so we can get into it later. But it was for your freshman year, you took Prevoke, which was two weeks in each program, like upholstery, electrical, auto mechanics, woodworking, drafting, print shop, TV and radio. Uh, but but print shop was the thing that stood out to me. And I kind of stuck with that. Uh went to college, chose a college that was a technical community college because it was more involved in learning the applications as opposed to the theory and all that, although we learned theory too. And I've worked for a bunch of different companies, big and small since then. Um, and, and you've got, and you've done things on your own. You've freelanced, yeah. you've had a, a, your own business. And then more recently you've gotten a job and you love the people that you work with. Yeah. Right. Uh, yesterday I hit one year of working <gasps> for the company I work for. Yeah. That's uh, awesome. And, uh, a few years ago, well, f- five years and like three weeks ago, I decided to start a podcast called rambling man, even though I hate the sound of my own voice. And, but it was, I had too many friends who were too interesting and talented not to get their stories out there. So I was like, nobody's going to record my idiot friend, Joachim. Love you, Joachim Schmidt. Uh, nobody's going to know about him. And yeah. uh, it was, I, I was like, it's up to me to do this, which sounds arrogant or braggy. Don't mean it that way. I was just, uh, I wanted it to happen. So I made it happen. I, I think your voice sounds awesome, Jody, um, to be honest. Um, yeah, it does. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know anybody that really loves their voice. I definitely don't no. love my voice. But anyway, we're uh, but it doesn't stop us. Right. Right. And and um, and I am five foot one inches and Jody is not. And Jody is I remember Jody gave me a card because I was like, wow, yeah. you're really tall. I mean, I love standing next to really tall people just to see how short I am. And so Jody has this card that says, I'm six foot seven. <laughs> yes, really. Um, and I love that he did this. Um, I I just love this. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I've got it on hand right here. I'm yeah. so, I'm so glad. So um, we're about the same height as you can tell. Um, so, but that was like, so he had, you know, so many people come up to you from that. Amy Lyons is pretty little too. She was there. She said, she a- thinks a- she got one of those. Amy too. beat me to the joke. I was like, well, Amy knows Amy's like six, five, six, six. <laughs> right. I mean, she's, she's giant too. That's right. Okay. So tell me, take it back. Cause you were also in a minority in your high school, I believe. Right. Right. Um, we are the same height on zoom. That's right, Paul. Thank you. Um, so, but I'm in shorts and you're probably not Paul, right? Cause I mean, it is hot. It's like definitely in the mid eighties here and in Minnesota, we're hoping you're in double digits. Um, me and my mom have been worried about Paul all week. Just so y'all know. Wow. <laughs> Paul, I have two words for you. Winter shorts. <laughs> I wear shorts in the winter time, even when it gets down to single digits, because I am not a smart man. <laughs> it I am like cold. a, I'm like a radiator to where I, I have so much heat. I can't, it got down to like five here and felt like negative 15. I met friends at a barbecue place downtown and I showed up in shorts and they, everybody in the restaurant stood up to look at me and they're like, we were admiring your legs. Like, thanks guys. Thanks. Well, Hannah just said you wore winter shorts, even in Cleveland winter. Yeah. I think that is, yeah. that's great. So, <laughs> 
So tell me about some of the people that poured into you, meaning they um, just tell me kind of what high school was like for you, because okay. it wasn't the best. Um, it was a challenge, maybe. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, uh, I'll start for us. I'll start by going back a little bit. I was the only grandkid for 10 years. So I was raised around like my dad and my uncles just mercilessly laying into me. So I got treated like the little brother. And then my grandparents kind of treated me like their kid. So uh, for 10 years, I would go stories we don't have to get into, but going bar hopping with my dad and uncles at like age five drinking shirley temples and virgin pina coladas because they came with the little swords with the cherry and i would i in my old toy box there are hundreds of swords which when you take that into context of that's every drink i had at a bar awesome but it was unique and interesting and all that and uh but i grew up kind of on the east side being generally the only white dude in a room my high school was two-thirds black uh, and, and the rest was pretty much white because I don't remember. I think that was about it. And here in Knoxville, the percentage of black people per capita is higher than the nation. I think it's like 18%, which I think is awesome because we're in the South and people think we're all awful and racist. But to that point, there's essentially two to three high schools <laughs> are the only ones with even a modicum amount of black people in this town which is wild. Austin East is, is kind of the, air quotes, the black school and Fulton, which is five miles, six miles away is, was two thirds when I was going up there. So you also told me something recently, cause I always do a test call and then Jody and I had talked uh, last in November, or October. Um, you said, I'm going to read this. So most of the people that you grew up with are either dead or in prison. Not many kids make it. Um, yeah. And then was there someone or someone in high school or people, teachers, or maybe it was just your family um, that gave you a glimpse of a different life? Yes. Um, I will say it was kind of wild because like most of the, because I played sports, obvious, I'm going to be a jerk and say, obviously, when you're this big, they don't allow you to not play sports. And so most of the coaches were people had went to school at, at my high school, Fulton high school. And so that was one where, you know, every once in a while you'd see way out, but most of the football players or athletes didn't have the best grades. Like there were one or two, like our, uh, honors class. I remember went from grade to grade to grade in my class of 103 or 108 kids, maybe had like eight to 10 kids in that class. And that was it. Like everybody else was, you're going to get a job or maybe you'll go to college because it wasn't really guaranteed back then. Right. Uh, but there were people when I was a kid, like my freshman year, I had a science teacher named Mr. Bailey, who was also a big guy, but he was a very smart guy. How tall were you like in uh, as a 13 year old? So like 13 year old, because we had to say our height and weight oh my for the gosh. program, I was six one. 210 or 215. Wow. I was 13, about to turn 14. Uh, So every once in a while, somebody will say, well, I'm 5'8". And I was like, I remember being in the fifth grade. (laughs) (laughs) I was in the fifth grade. I still couldn't ride the rides at Six Flags. The only rides I could ride were like the swings. 
Yeah. You know, they were like, anyway, keep going. <laughs> but Mr. Bailey was a science teacher and he kind of glommed onto me and he, I don't think he pulled me aside, but there was one day where we were talking and he was like, you know, just because you play sports, you don't have to be stupid. And that really made an impact on me. And plus I'll try and tell this succinctly as I can. Mr. Bailey was also a opera performer and I had bought the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves score because it had the uh, Brian Adams song on it. Yeah, and I have somehow, that. I have that CD too. <laughs> so Mr. Bailey and I were talking one day, and he he was talking about classical music. I was like, oh, I've got the score to that, and he was like, Oh, can I borrow that? I was like, Sure. So I brought it in, let him listen to it. Like three days later, he came back and he brought it back to me. He's like, My wife and I sat down and listened to that album, and it is very good. You need to think about listening to this music. And he gave me opera and classical, but it blew my mind as a kid. I was like, Oh, you can just sit down and listen to classical music. I was like, I never thought about it because music was super important with my family in our life. We didn't play, but we went to a lot of shows. We lit tons of albums. My first show, I may have the best one. I saw Johnny Cash during the World's Fair in 1982 in Nayland Stadium. Wow. So that one's hard to beat. But Mr. Bailey was one. Mr. Miracle was in tar charge of the print shop, Conley Miracle, which is the greatest name ever. And he was really one that, like, he would bring in old students of his to talk to us and like tell us way out ways out miss waller who was the art teacher her and her husband had been art professors at ut and she came back to teach and she taught us any kind of style you can imagine like we were doing uh what was it life drawing uh we doing toglio printing we mm -hmm. did screen printing anything you can imagine and then she would take us to ut to the art, art and architecture building and one time we were there and she pointed to these three hills and she was like my husband and i did that and i was like what and she was like that's our art i was like that's landscaping miss waller that's not art and she's like no that's art we did that and that kind of also fried my brain about like holy crap that what it can be something like that that's that's very odd that's very odd to me so op it was like opening your mind opening right. but it wasn't that you were just in this like super gifted program and you were no. getting all these things. Like there were people that chose to come back to that area right. of Knoxville and, and um, be a light or be um, ideas and pour other things into the people that you, yeah. you were in high school with. Yeah. And it, I think it was up until I knew I wanted to work in computers, but I think even in middle school, I was already thinking because my family not working was not an option. I started working at 11 at the ballpark, keeping score and work in the fields. And I told somebody recently, I was like, I think I work more hours back then than I work in a week now. So that was somebody was like, well, that's not really a job. I was like, I worked a lot of hours doing that in addition to playing sports and going to school and taking care of my little sister. But yeah, there was like not working. So I thought I was going to be like an elementary school teacher before I got into computers. So that was even at like sixth grade, I was like, Oh, I like kids. I would like to, to work with kids. And that was the track that I was going to be on before I discovered computers. So what was it about computers that you thought, Ooh, 
I want to do this. I I honestly can't tell you because when I first experienced the computer was in middle school, we had, uh, I was, I was in a program called talented and gifted that my sixth grade year, we were working in DOS. So we would build programs in DOS mm-hmm. and there was something about, and I think it was also like video games, like mm-hmm. the Nintendo had come out and I love playing that. So I think it was just like tech or stuff that seemed like it was futuristic to me, appealed mm-hmm. to me. But DOS, I had no interest in working in DOS. Uh, and then they even took a break where seventh and eighth grade, I took we took Spanish in, in middle school, as opposed to all of us that were in that TAG program. I think there were, started out with like 16 or so kids, and I think it ended up with like eight of us uh, that I even got away from computers. And we my I grew up pretty poor. We didn't have a computer at home. Well, not many people had a computer at home. We didn't have a computer. We had yeah. At that point, we didn't even have Nintendo. But that's but, okay. Yeah, but uh, but what about art? Could, like, art. were you drawing as a kid? Was that even because usually if you have working class parents, this may not be have been like art is like they would have looked at your teacher and been like, "Lady, that's landscape, and you know that's that yeah. art, right?" So, well. I uh, still to this day, which my sister would argue with me, this I am the only one who creates art for a living. I will say for a living. Add to that. Uh, Yeah, my dad was a truck driver. My mom worked for the phone company. My uncles were like engineers and one of them was a school teacher. One of the uncles ended up being a, a postman after he got laid off. So it was all kind of working class, a little bit of white collar, but they went back to learn back to school later to go and do the engineering, but art, I always kind of doodled a little bit as a kid, but the other weird thing was I surrounded myself. Everybody around me was so much better of an artist than me. So I never felt, I didn't call myself an artist till I was in like my mid thirties because I still remember like in growing up and middle school, a friend of my my best friend Anthony Childress that he could draw like almost like Jim Lee in middle school like if anybody knows who Jim Lee is X-Men artist tremendous comic book artist and then when I got to high school same thing there were so many other people that were so much better than I that I just kept working at it to where by my senior year Miss Waller we switched to block scheduling my senior year. And Miss Waller was like, you're in like art six at this point. Just come in and do whatever you want. There's all the tools over there. Do whatever you want. And I'll just pass you. And I was like, okay, thank you, ma'am. And like she was the best. She was also very monotone. So what she actually said was just do whatever you want. Just come <laughs> in and there's the tool. She was so excited to have me in there. So but, I was, but I wasn't a kid that, acted up or anything i was just a kid that went in there and worked boy you could have been a problem if you were acting up (laughs) right like it could have been intimidating for your teachers i don't know i don't know my i tell a quick story about so this this is why i say no because my coaches were scarier than us there i won't try to do the two short ones the one was uh the head coach coatney buck coatney there's another name. There was a fight that broke out in the lunchroom and he's sitting there eating his burger. And one of the other teachers gets up. He's like, I got it. And he finishes his bite. He leapt 
from table to table and jumped and form tackled both the kids like stuff you couldn't get away with now. And then one of the other coaches, uh, when he was in college, he was playing at Carson Newman here, broke his skull. They carted him off the field and then he ran back out in the field and started just destroying people on both sides. So he had a metal plate in his head from like the early sixties. So there was one time where it was raining. We were running around inside the gym and this one guy, Joe was picking on a little, a smaller kid and coach black shouldn't have, he is the nicest human being on the planet. He is the great, one of the greatest human beings I've ever met in my life. Coach black. Uh, but, but he's running and he sees Joe picking on this kid. So he just keeps running, gets ahead of Joe flips around, grabs Joe by the ears, headbutts him. Joe knocked out flat. And then coach black just started running around the gym more like, so no, I was not very intimidating because I had those coaches surrounding me that could whoop me at any, and plus my dad is not a small man and was very intimidating. So I, it never occurred to me to act up because I knew the re repercussions would probably not be good. How about well, so, that? so, um, but there wasn't anything like, um, you know, some anyway. So, how did like Mr. Miracle, like that was his last name, right? Mr. Miracle. Uh, yeah, Conley yeah. Miracle. How did he? push you because he was print shop guy right 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 so how he i think it was he had been in the, the army for a long time uh during some kind of rough times and uh he just kind of treated us like adults mm -hmm. and he like with respect like we had to pass an osha uh test in order to get back to the print shop and you could not go back there until you passed the test and he would just treat us with respect and let us do he was setting an example by treating us like grown-ups to mm. to the point i was going to go back so i took prevoke and by my senior year i was teaching the prevoke class because he was like no you know he had me make up my own pass to leave campus to go make deliveries because all everybody almost everybody we worked with in the print shop were all real clients like pager company named volcom is the one i always throw out there because there's some skateboard or surfing company called volcom now but but he i think it was more of that he treated us like we were grown-ups and just respected the crap out of us never treated us like we were kids that that makes a difference so yeah what from those experiences made you or why did you feel strongly about giving back and when did you really start giving back to or feeling the urge to give back to other people or to like you have an illustrators group in knoxville now it's like when like you're just built like this you just need to be in community and and make things available for for people so when did that start uh i think it's kind of twofold because uh, I think of things more recently that I've kind of, I'm not in therapy, but I th overthink a lot. So I think about things a lot. And I was like, oh yeah, that's why that's happening. But I think it was from when I was young, because all my dad and uncles and grandfather were all big for some reason, whatever reason we would end up uh, moving people when I was a kid. Oh, like moving the your friends or your families or whatever? Yeah, family or friends or people they worked with. It was almost like 
anytime I wasn't playing ball or even some days when I did play ball in the morning, we would go and all of us would get together and move people. And it was like friends of friends. It was crazy. So it was just like never an option not to be part of a community. And then when I was in middle school, we moved and my dad, the, the plot of land next to us was trying to remember it's something like eight acres and somebody tried to buy it and put 15 to 1600, 2000, whatever, uh, residences as an apartment in that eight acres, which would have been crazy. And there was only one entrance and exit right by our driveway. And my dad said, no, this is not going to happen. So he got involved in the neighborhood association and and then from that, because he was the youngest person in the neighborhood association, they made him president within like two years. And so he has been president of his neighborhood association since like 1990. But my dad, God love him, he was he would look at me. He's like, boy, you're taking English. You need to write my speeches for me. So I would write his city council and NPC meeting speeches for him. And so I was in the city council meetings, the young, the only kid in there just having to learn how to deal with city and ordinances and all that stuff. So I think it was just always slow roll ingrained in me. Yeah. And, and I think there were some points like when it came to college and stuff where we'd be sitting around this even happened in a, in a jury one time where we were sitting around and people were just like, well, I don't know you know, who should lead this and who should, and it would go on for like five minutes. I'd be like, I ain't got this kind of time. I'll do it. What do we need to do? Somebody, to I got to move somebody this afternoon. Let's yeah, get out of yeah, here. Yeah, I got, I got, I got to, I got to go work at Taco Bell brag and pick up my sister, man. I got to go. I got to go. We got things. So I think it just slow rolled and happened that way. And I think so later out of on, impatience or, or maybe, maybe it's not impatient. Maybe it's efficient being super efficient. That and I think, uh, I, again, I, I keep trying not to sound humble, braggy, or arrogant. It's okay, just just say we. It's uh, fine. I we think there's a there's a modicum of big guy confidence mm. that when you're a big guy, you can just do do things, and I try to use that for good. There's the nice way to put it. I oh, try to that's do that for good. good. But, I like that. But as I've gotten older, like something that's really bothered me in the last few years, where I've gotten a little bit more aggressive, and I screen grab this to pull up the quote. Because a friend of mine said a quote to me that I think is hilarious. I get angrier now that people choose not to be a decent human because it costs nothing to be a decent human. Just be nice. Mm. Why are you trying to be a, a jerk to people? So one of my one of my friends, we were talking about somebody and I was just like, no, nah, I don't like that guy. And he was like, why? And I, And I listed out the eight things he did to me. And I was like, that's why I don't like him. He's and his quote was, I both love and hate that you don't allow people to F up. You hold them accountable. And I was like, I think that that's a little bit of the big guy confidence of just like, yeah, because I can't, because they're being a jerk. And I mm. ain't got that kind of time. And why are you being a jerk? Like there's absolutely no reason. And it also kind of goes back to my dad. My dad is very nice even to the point of it hurting him. Like I've seen him, somebody stop by the house and be like, I don't have enough gas. He goes in the house, gives them $20, even though he's working three jobs to, to just make it. And then, but if you cross a line, 
uh, he's done with you. Like he's, there was a point where we had a county mayor where he may, my dad may have said some uh, four letter expletives in a meeting about that guy to that guy. (laughs) Like, I'm just like, same thing. Like, I'm not going to tolerate somebody being crappy. And Mm -hmm. my joke with him is like, uh, he'll give you all that leeway, but if you cross a line, he won't. Yeah. I tried to clean this on up. He won't throw water on you if you're on fire. Uh, and <laughs> okay. I said, and because he raised me, uh, I won't, there's a line you cross with me. I won't throw water on you. If you're on fire, I'll find some Jack Daniels and throw it on you and make <laughs> you burn faster. Cause you need to be, you need to be done. It, it goes back. Sorry to keep diverting, but it's, I hear pe- every once in a while people crap about Knoxville, like even my mm. sister. And I was like, you got three options, man. You either leave, you make it better, or you shut up. Those are the only three options. Just complain about does no one any good. So you got those three options. If you don't like that, tough. Leave. And your dad taught you that, right? Just by yeah. getting involved. I think that that yeah. and and then making that a priority and yeah. then and making a difference. I love that. So that's um that's a really a good example, right? Your yeah. dad was a great example for that. So what I want you to tell me about um, a summer job, and then I want you to, we'll talk about what would you tell somebody else who's wanting to either start a community or um, get involved, or they want to be a mentor? What would you tell them? So you can take whichever question you want. Okay. I'll do that one first. Cause I may forget. So uh, just show up and show up all the time do you like, have to be ready like is there a certain time in your life or you have to have a certain amount of expertise or experience i'm trying to think of the polite way to say this uh take uh oh i know the po- correct word be more humble mm. don't step up and be like no everyone needs to listen to me that's mm. not how a true leader is it's being like, no, we need to do this because this is the greater good. This is for all of us. I think, I think it's, uh, I've always told young kids, uh, or kids, I was like, uh, you're here for, let's say you're here at school for graphic design. I'm going to tell you something. Uh, you're going to work crappy jobs for the first two to three years and eat poop. (laughs) I'll make it (laughs) non-explanative. Eat poop for two or three years to get that on your resume. Mm-hmm. And then guess what? You'll have to eat a little less poop at the next. Sorry. Sorry, mom. Sorry. Poop's okay. <laughs> okay. I know, but it's just an awful analogy. Uh, but it's just like, you'll keep building that up. And I kind of feel the th- same thing about building a community. It's when you're young, find people that you mm-hmm. see moving the ball forward. Mm-hmm. Like, and then when you get to a certain point, be more humble and and like it's going to cost me nothing there's an artist here in town uh esther sipper she's she graduated during the pandemic i think she's 23 or 24 and i try to encourage her when i can and try to support her and say here's some things you ought to think about and it's just because it doesn't cost me anything and it puts more uh goodness out into the world and that's not a brag it's just like why why would you not try to put more goodness out in the world? What there's too much crap going on right now. There's too many people being mad about stuff that it's none of their business or it doesn't matter. 
So yeah. why not try to be the opposite of that? I always think about this, this month, particularly, I think about, okay, well, what can I do? And if ever, you know, I have had uh, students that feel very entitled or they are like, I'm not going to tell him that his stuff is good. And I, you know, somebody else in class or, or something. And I was like, well, you know, when you start feeling like that, could you, instead of being like, keeping it in why don't you just spread like why don't you yeah um because it actually is incredibly contagious to if if somebody is nice to you often then you will do something nice for the next person right and so it is this kind of um steamroller effect i guess or multiplier and i think some of it is again going back to the be more humble thing ask questions because whenever yeah. I do por- portfolio reviews or anything, it's so weird sitting with other people who are kind of jerks. And there, I remember one portfolio I was sitting through and I almost turned to the two people and said, you all can leave. You're bringing absolutely nothing in this because you're just faking like, oh, this is great. And I would look at it and go, you need to think about this and how this will relate to this. But I would always say this right here, this is awesome. Do you enjoy doing this? Is this what you like doing? Like, what do you want to do? Do you want to do more illustration? Do you want to do more type work? What do you like doing? What what brings you joy? And whatever brings you joy, do that. And if it stops bringing you joy, then pivot, do something else. But it was just like, ask questions, ask them what, what makes them happy. And I'll, sorry, I'm going to digress a little bit. So my grandfather, who was an incredibly tough, always looked angry, my papa. There's just some southernness for I, we called mine Papa, P-A-P-A. P-A-P-A. What was how do you spell Papa? P-A-P-A-W. Oh, OK. So he was very tough. He grew up very rough. His his dad was married like five or six times and had 20 to 30 kids. And so my grandfather and his brother were very t- tough. Will, uh, Bill and Hank, very tough. Then they went off and served in the Pacific during World War II and saw some very gnarly stuff. And so they came back and both of them were like, nope, I'm straightening up. We're, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to do this. But he worked for the railroad, worked third shift. He just always looked scary. And he was also a six foot two dude who was born in like 1918, which is giant. And I heard stories about him growing up from my dad and uncles and there's a point when I was in college where I was working at Taco Bell and it was like, I was working 40 hours a week at Taco Bell, taking 25 hours worth of classes and I was getting treated poorly at Taco Bell. So there was one time I went up there. It was just him. My grandmother was gone. Granny. She was granny, granny and papa. And, uh, I just sat there in her chair and started talking to him. I don't know why I opened up to him, but I was telling him, I was like, I got, I had interviewed at Walmart and the guy was going to let me work at Walmart, but it was going to be a lot tougher because I would have less time from getting out of school to get into Walmart. And where I went to school was on a good day, 35 to 40 minutes away from that Walmart. So it was like, I have an hour and if I hit any traffic and how can I change clothes? So I was stressing about all that crap. And my grandfather just sat there and listened to me. And then at the end he said, are you happy? And I said, uh, what? And he's like, are you happy? I was like, well, no. And he was like, then, then leave. 
go work at Walmart. You'll figure it out. Life's too short to be unhappy. And he just got up and went to the basement. He worked on keys. So he just left on that. And I think about that. Life is too short to be unhappy a lot. He also, uh, the sad thing is he died within uh, a month of that. Wow. So just as I was getting close to him, he passed away and it was really hard mm. on me. And, uh, but yeah, I think about him a lot. I think about that. And I had one, my dad's younger brother passed away in his late forties, early fifties, like in the, the day after, uh, Batman begins came out. That's the only way I can remember it. Cause I went to see Batman begins on that Saturday, went to fanboy expo, went to play poker with my dad and uncles, which I've been playing with them since I was eight. And, uh, he did not show up and we went out to his house and found the body. So I oh, think no. about the two of them, my grandfather and my uncle a lot and think, uh, life is too, like, I'm going to, this is morbid. I'm going to die one day. Mm -hmm. So why would I deal with people who are not great? Hmm. And why would I not try to help people who need it? Also, I got picked on. If you want to go down the therapist route, I grew up fat. I got picked on mercilessly when I was young. So when I see bullies now, I do not like it. And I, I, I've still gotten into altercations at over 40, which is kind of hilarious. I don't get into fights. I stop things from happening. That's good. Okay, okay. So I think you were a bouncer like it at some point when you told oh, me I've some been, story. I, Oh, I've but it was the early, early. You were way. You were seventeen or something. Like you weren't. Oh, supposed so that to be comes into the. So goes into the question you asked me. Like, oh, the 90, 90, The summer of ninety six. Summer of ninety six. Okay. So I graduated high school in nineteen ninety six. I had four years of working in a print shop. I had a full on portfolio of real work. So, like, uh, I went and applied at a screen printing shop downtown, and I went in and I started talking to the guy, and on the form application, you had to put who were your three favorite artists. And I wrote down Norman Rockwell, MC Escher, and Piet Modrian. Because Miss mm. Waller's favorite artist was Piet Modrian. That's how <laughs> she said it. And I love Piet Modrian. But the guy was he he looked at it and he was like, How how do you know who Piet Modrian is? I was like, Oh, my art teacher and all that. And he was like, well, do you want to work? Here? I was like, I'm not a talented enough artist to work here. I'm going to send my buddy Anthony Childers here. You ought to hire him because he's great. So I walked away from that. There was a print shop downtown that was, remember back in the day where they would have the quick print shops kind of mm -hmm. where you can make copies up front, but they actually had a press in the back. Mm -hmm. So I went and interviewed that place like three times. And it was the graphic designer there was sh shipping off to the Navy in the fall. But the guy who ran the press was retiring. So they're like, we'll give you the job running the press until she leaves. And then you'll move over to be a graphic designer. So I'm still 17. I graduated when I was 17. I turned 18 in October. I hadn't, excuse me, hadn't started college at this point. And then that one, the guy ended up not retiring. So it was like that job was off the table. Mm. Mr. Miracle, I called him and there was a big clothing outlet here that you may remember because it was regional called Goodies. Oh, yeah. So Goodies was based here in Knoxville and they had this giant campus and I went and interviewed there and I was going to run their entire post press department, like all the boundary work, the cutter, all that. And it took like going up three levels to like the vice president of something 
to say, wait, he's going to go to school in the fall. No, we need somebody who will work 6 a.m. to 4 p.m. We can't deviate. And even the shop foreman was like, no, that's stupid. This kid is good. We should have him in here. And it will be good in the long term to have somebody like this in there. So I got rejected from that job. One of the funniest one was uh, there was a job that came up doing des- a catalog design for a manufacturing company. So and were you still working at Taco Bell? No, I hadn't were- got the, I hadn't got the job at Taco Bell. I didn't the spoiler alert. I didn't get the job at Taco Bell until like October fifteenth, till like two weeks before I turned eighteen, because I had to get my parents to sign some form. That's how I remember. But uh, the manufacturing company, um, I got out there, and I'm of course I'm six six three thirty. I'm wearing a suit and tie and they were like, okay, so you'll be doing the marketing and PR for us. We'll fly you all over the world and you'll give press releases about this. I was like, what? They're like, yeah, you'll have to go to like Germany a few times a year. And I was like, I'm 17. I can't check. I couldn't check into a hotel. Later on, I couldn't work at Taco Bell without getting my parents. I couldn't do that job. There is part of me that wonders what sliding door that would have been like. But I couldn't check into hotels. I couldn't. Also, right. you couldn't rent it a, 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 a car. Car, yeah. I couldn't rent it a car for what eight more years. Well, I, more to... twenty-two or twenty-five. Oh, I thought it was twenty-five. Yeah, yeah, maybe it is twenty-five. Yeah, I'm terrible but, with math. Keep going. But it's also like, what is that company thinking? Given all that, I was like, but I was also six six three thirty and looked like a man. So, and I had a portfolio full of work. So then. I was like, screw it. I just got to get a job. I was like, dad's on my butt, man. I got to I gotta get a job, man. I got to start paying bills. And uh, so I was looking, there was a target that was being built a little bit outside of the city. And I was driving on this road and I couldn't find it. And so I just pulled into this nondescript building and I walked in the door and to ask where Taco Bell, or where uh, Target, target. was, because mm-hmm. this is before GPS, any of that crap. Right, right, right. Uh, and I walked in and looked and it was a strip club and I was just like, Oh God it's middle of the day. Nobody was in there. I think it was closed, but the guy who owned it was sitting there cleaning glasses or something. And he was like, can I help you? And I was like, Oh, I was looking for the target. And he was like, why? Cause it wasn't built yet. And I was like, well, I wanted to apply for a job. And he was like, I'll give you a job. I was like, uh, I think there might be a little problem there. And he's like, what? And I was like, I'm 17. He's like, you get out of my club. And he pushed me out of that club. So I was almost a strip club bouncer. Uh, (laughs) But it, like I applied everywhere, Walmart, Target, anything that was part-time. And it took me having a friend that his, Mm. God, this is a Southern thing. His cousin was a manager at that Taco Bell and they were, gave me a job. And so I started working at Taco Bell and I worked there for, I think two, two years. I can't remember. I was in college for three years. So yeah, I worked there for two years and, uh, I still use things that I learned to Taco Bell. Oh, and the, the postscript to that is between ages 18 to 25, I had five to six offers to be, go back to a high school and teach graphic arts of the print shop in Oak Ridge, Farragut, Bearden, Carnes, and Fulton twice. And I was like, I'm too young, man. I will put one of those little kids through the wall. Like I'll get angry at one of those little kids because they're two years younger than me and put them into a wall. I was like, no, I need, I need a, I need a, a diploma. I, I don't need to teach right now. Not ready. 
Well, so the when you talked about like this is a very southern thing, I actually think it's just a a really important part of working. And I think it's it. I remember when I first got a job in Denver, I remember people saying, "Oh, well, it's very, um, you know, it's who you know." And, and right. I was like, "Oh, that's terrible." But now I understand it, and I understand it as I didn't see that. I just saw it as gatekeeping and I didn't know how, if I just met people, then they would know me. I didn't realize that part, but I I do think. I was going to say, I think it's more the, it was my, my friends, cousins, you know, that it's just, (laughs) you put all those things. Well, it's my friend's cousins, fiance's brother that works like, I think sold him a dog. Right. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So, but I do think you do know a lot of people and that has, you do, just like you were saying, a print shop said, Hey, do you want this job? And you're like, no, my friend um, is better than me. You hire him. Right. So you were always passing things um, instead of just taking it in, maybe had to do with confidence. Maybe you just knew that he would be really his, he was looking for a job too, but And I do think that that is that is just who you are. Maybe it has to do with just how your parents were and always um, your family uh, where they were helping people move. And it was always just this kind of community of who was raising you and the community of how y'all were always giving back Um, in the in the pandemic. um, A lot of connectedness kind of broke apart. I remember. Um, I have a friend who said he would just go to the grocery store because he just needed to see people. Right. And I get that. Like, I was very thankful that I um, have John's here and I could get, you know, a physical touch is one of my love languages. So that was really important to get hugs and stuff. So for you being such a community driver, how was that in in community building or, or how was that part of your life? Uh, it was tough. Uh, cause I'm also a single dude with no kids. So it's just me in this house and it's, uh, before. So I had been on the board for AIGA Knoxville and I had already left it b- before the pandemic can't happen. I ran my time. I, I was on it for six years, two years as communications director, four years as president. I, by the time I got to the end, I was like, I'm done. I'm spent. Uh, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> and, uh, but I also saw some things in the, in my worlds that like, there was nobody doing, uh, meetups for social media. There used to be, but the people who did that moved away. So I was like, well, nobody's doing that. I'll do that. And uh, so I started this thing called Social Media Knox, and it was like every month we met up. It was a free meetup. I would do, I would try to get speakers. I would do research on topics, and then I would, it would be three, like speaker, research on a topic like YouTube. And then we talk about working in YouTube, but then the third one would be roundtable. What are you working on? How can we help one another? And then I met this couple, Rob and Rachel Travis, that she had kind of been a stay-at-home mom uh, for a bit, and she was a tremendous illustrator. He was a motion graphics animation person, and she did a lot of stuff for that, but she didn't know anybody. Hmm. So she was like, I would like to start up an illustrators group, and I feel like you need to help run that with me. <laughs> and, I think, and I think enough time had passed with 
being away from AIGA and doing the social media knocks. And because I was working for myself at that point, I was like, yeah, I'll do this. I was like, I got somebody for support. Her and her husband had a studio so we could meet at the studio. It was very low buy-in for me other than picking up all the people that I knew to come to the illustrators group. So then the pandemic hits and it's like, what are we doing? It's like, and we tried both of those. We tried doing zooms and it never worked. So it just went dormant for both of those. And then as it started, we're still in the pandemic. Uh, I'll say the lockdowns. As the lockdown started easing up, then we would meet. But we would meet like in uh, at a park for the illustrators group. We would meet. There's a distillery downtown, Postmodern Spirits, that I just texted the guy that owned it, Stanton. I was like, uh, can we take your... Uh, your picnic tables and move them out on the deck and meet there. And he's like, yeah. And I had like 35, 40 people there. They were just excited to be out and, and we kept it running and kept it running, but it, it was tough, but it was also a little bit frustrating because I saw the numbers go down so much to where that's mm. something I'm still dealing with of just like pre pandemic, I was building up some steam and then, post-pandemic or post-lockdown it's just been like holy crap man and uh i took a few months off because it was just too much i was like i'm doing all this work and i haven't had a job got a job now so it was like i can't keep doing this if two people are going to show up because mm. i put a lot of time and effort in that and it really bothers me and uh so i took a few months up and i'm starting to start those back up now the illustrators group we had been a private group on Instagram and we're about to make it public because Rachel, same thing. She just doesn't have time for it anymore. It's like, well, if I'm going to own this, I'm going to work the crap out of it. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't just keep going to our same 30 people in the group that only three of them are showing up. I've got to open this up to more people because I've got to make it worth my right. time. Right. So so it was really tough. Uh, I have a, had a few friends that I would be in constant contact with. Hannah was one of them. Hannah and I, before the pandemic, were, you know, every once in a while I would send an email or we'd comment on one another's. But very early on the pandemic, like we just, I text her every Monday and we check in on one another. And we've not missed a Monday. I think the only Monday I missed is, uh, the only Monday I missed is when I was actually in Cleveland with her. <laughs> so you can't count, count that. That isn't yeah. a miss. I take that back. I drove up. I don't think I saw her on that Monday. I think I still text her. <laughs> and I think I text her at like eight o'clock. I was like, hey, how's it going? I'm here now. Oh, and I she did. Yeah, she, yeah did. she said every save me during the pandemic and now. And I think that there is something about that. Just that having connection. I saw something today. Um and it was like um, somebody who's a, I don't, anyway, she was, it was in my Bible study thing. And so in my Bible study, this lady was uh, talking that she was talking to a missionary that was actually in Afghanistan. And that lady is not married and she just really felt called to do whatever. And it was so weird. Cause I, I mean, I, I was really touched. I was in tears at the end of this, you know, and cause it was just, I was listening. And um, the woman said, Look, if you ever need anything, like I feel like um, if you were here, we would be friends. And I was like, mm. that just really struck me. I was like, lady, yeah. I think you're friends already. Like, yeah, you're yeah. crying on Zoom. Like it's it's uh, your friends. Like, I don't I guess, yeah. you know, maybe my um, my definition of friend 
uh, has always been. I've always felt like uh, I didn't feel like I was less friends with Will because he was in New Jersey or, you know, like it didn't matter. Um, I still felt close because I did call her because like you texted with Hannah, like you there was time put into those relationships. It didn't matter if you were able to physically be together. Um I was going to say, it's kind of funny because I had a, one of the places I worked, I could never get my former boss to understand. And I'm going to put a little asterisk there. I have one time called her my old boss. And she's like, how dare you call me old? You got to say former boss. And I'm still like, <laughs> yes, ma'am. She's same thing. She's like five foot tall. Scares the crap out of me. I, I, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But I was talking about like in O2 or so when message boards first became a thing. My buddy and I joined this message board for this comic book artist and writer that we liked. And we made all these friends through that. And I was telling her, I was like, oh, yeah, I've got like six different friends in Australia that if I ever went to Australia, at least three of them would let me stay on their couch. And I don't even talk to them that much anymore. But all three, maybe more than that. I've got friends in like London. I've got my buddy, Michael May, who's up in Minnesota, like. My friend, uh, Michelle up in New Jersey, like these are people that like, I like Michelle may and Michael may, may be two of my oldest friends other than my buddy Greg, who we went to college with, but like, uh, yeah. And, and I've met Michelle in person twice, maybe yeah. once, no, twice, twice. And, uh, that's it. Michael, I've met him more than that, but, but yeah, I've got my friends, Deandre and Sophie in, uh, Chicago, but I've got friends like Holly Tyler, who was an artist here that came to one of the meetups and to hear me talk on branding for this rising tide group. And she and I, I just, she was a young artist. I was like, I said, let's do coffee. I just started grabbing people. I was like, well, let's do coffee. I was like, what do you want to do? And she was like, well, I really want to be a textile designer. I was like, what can you do to make that happen? And I would just sit there and talk at her. Mm -hmm. And so she lives in the same thing. She lives in Chicago. So if I ever go to Chicago, I've got, got a, a couch. Of, I've got, <laughs> I've got 10 people that I can hang out with Yeah. that. And it's even come that way with like AIGA. Uh, I will not name him. Uh, I will not name him, but there was a certain person from AIGA that was passing through town. Cause he had gotten a job in Virginia and he uh, stayed in Knoxville for whatever reason, this was like a halfway point. And he's like, wait, Jody's in Knoxville. I'd met him one time at an AIGA retreat. And he sent me a message on Facebook. He's like, Hey man, you're in Knoxville. I was like, do you want to grab a beer? I was like, yeah, man, let's do that. So I went and picked him up. Another fun fact about me is I can drink an entire bottle of Jack Daniels and still be stone cold sober. So, I took him to a bar downtown and we drank. It's a high grab bar and we drank a couple beers. He was getting it's a, a little, high grab bar, a uh, high gravity beer. Oh, you know, gravity. Like, I thought you said grab. What? Oh, no. Gra high <laughs> is like only for tall people. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, and then I took him to a new bowling alley bar across the street. And uh, wait, no, we started. Anyway, we went a few different places. By like the second place, he was hammered. And he was just like, almost like on the, he's like, man. Yeah, he can't <laughs> keep up with you, right? Yeah, and I'm just like, it's like, you going to finish that, man? Let's let's do this. And by the time I got him back to his Airbnb, like three or four hours later, he was like hugging me and stuff. 
was like, this, I was like, this is just some dude I met one time, but we still keep in touch. Like, and, uh, he's awesome. Like it's, yeah. So, so what takes someone from friend to family? Cause I know that you consider you have, uh, blood relatives, but then right. there are other people. And this was like, a maybe you had a story about Mike Jones. Yeah. Big Mike, Mike Jones. So saw him at weapons of mass creation festival in Cleveland. And he gave this talk about this. Everybody has these circles. So, uh, I have been quote misquoting him for years. And I just told him this cause I was like, Hey man, I want to give a Pachaka Chaw speech and I want to quote you on the circles. Is that somewhere in a book or something? He's like, no, it was something my pastor said. Here's what it was. And he ran it down and he was like, okay, so you start at the center circle. I always started at the outside circle. He's like, you start at the center circle and that's God. I was like, been misquoting that for years. Cause that's not, <laughs> that was not the center circle I was saying, but he was like, you know, I'm going to do my version of my Okay. Use like, your version. <laughs> so I was saying you had like this outer circle. It's like you go to the grocery store and you see people there that you're a nod, like you recognize them, but you, that's it. And then you have a go down one circle, uh, closer to the center. And it's, uh, people you work with that you just see at the coffee, uh, the coffee pot and you chit chat, but you, that's it surface level. Mm -hmm. And then you have, you go down one more circle and it's like, oh, it's somebody from work or somebody that y'all will go get beers afterwards. And then you just keep going down until that last circle is family. And it family does not mean blood. Family are the people that will like be there for you and step up no matter what. And it's, oh yeah, I'm very lucky to have a lot of, uh, a lot of family and, uh, going through hard times, especially during the pandemic. And I just, I haven't even shared this one with Hannah. I, I had another incident that happened recently that I was just like, I, the fact that I haven't driven to Philadelphia and start hurting people for a certain company for i uh, I'll say mortgage company. So Hannah, you're getting to hear about it. I'll tell you more about it later, but I've had two flare ups with this predatory lender that they got sold my mortgage and it's just been an absolute nightmare. Oh. And anybody who hears the story says the fact that you haven't driven to Philadelphia and hurt everyone in that building is a miracle because of just how bad they are treating me and how much they are trying to take my house. Mm -hmm. So if that's one of those line in the sand things. And, uh, but in, in that happening, like I didn't share it with many people, but the people I shared it with were like, whatever you need, what, what do we need to do to help this? And yeah. even one or two friends that, I didn't even think I was that close with. Mm. <laughs> yeah, Hannah, I'm ready to throw hands. I didn't want to mention the second thing, which is I went through a very bad breakup last year. And so I'm, I'm Hannah, sorry, I'm going to tell this story. I'm sitting in Cleveland with Hannah last November. And on the last night, we're sitting in a bar drinking beer. And finally, she just looks at me and says, we're going to come down to Knoxville next year. I, I just need an address. <laughs> I was like, no, no, no. I can't get you stuck in Knox County jail, man. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to throw hands. I'm going to hurt this one. <laughs> they hurt you, man. Like, yeah, but it like, that's family. That's family. Those are the, those are the people that you'll be there for them and they'll be there for you. And it's doesn't have to be blood. Like, and there's people, I guarantee you there are people for you that you don't even know that they're, that's how they feel about you. Like they'll do whatever they can. If, if the times get tough. Well, and it's also, I think for a lot of people, 
in the pandemic, you know, you didn't want to like over extend if, but sometimes people just needed to talk more, you know, like yeah. they needed to, um, the other people that they used to talk to didn't do zoom or they, you know, were something else or whatever. And then, and I still think, you know, sometimes I have a student or I have a friend who's like, do you have, and I, I really am working to not, I don't want people to be like, Oh, you're so busy. I was like, no, that was like, I don't want, I know I'm busy. I don't want people to think I'm busy. I don't know if that sounds right, but like, I don't want someone to be like, I don't want to bother you. And because, because it hurts. Like I, that, I don't want someone to think of me as, Oh, well, she's too busy. And so go ahead. I was going to say during the pandemic, sorry to interrupt, but it's like some people, including myself may have like just sunk into their couch because they didn't want to be a burden to anybody else because everyone was going through it and it was like well i don't want to bother these people they're going through their own michigas at home like they don't i don't want to be a burden to them michigas what michigas michigas what's that michigas that is yiddish and it means craziness in your head oh oh yeah 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 um amy says you don't want people you are to take time for them. You, mm. <laughs> I think autocorrect may have messed with her there. <laughs> maybe, maybe write that again, Amy. Um, but I, but I really have like, okay, that was like one of those things I need to slow down so that people don't think that so much. Yeah. I want people to be like, like I met Maya and she's in Norway and I'm just glad to make a new friend. And now yeah. we are mean once a month. And you know, I just think that it's, it's nice. Oh, you don't want them to think you don't have time for them. Yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Amy's like, talk to text. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's beautiful when we can reach across. And to me, like that lady was talking to that other lady in my Bible study this morning. And I was like, you people are friends. Like you, you are praying for her. You're supporting her. You're talking to her on a regular basis. And it was just like, I don't know how this lady says, you know, what's friends to her. But I was like, I, my definition of friend is it doesn't mean that I have to see you all the time. Thankfully, you know, because my mom lives eight hours from me. I don't get to Mm -hmm. tootle up there that much. I know she would like me to. Okay. So let's do a really fast lightning round for these last bits. If that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. I, uh, so my rambling man, I'm just rambling. That's the next prop. That's the next. um, (laughs) That's the next. Okay. So rambling man goes for like three to four hours. I was like, Oh, Jody. Uh, I'm going to have to pee in the middle of this like three times. I, I, so, um, but so I want you to tell them how, how, why you started your podcast and just tell us about it a little bit. I know you told us about it a little bit, but okay. tell us a little bit more. So my buddy, Sean Pointner, he, he and his wife own a building called the, he and his wife, Dale Mackey own a building called the central collective. And they have a deck up there and Sean and I try to be the non, I can't say the word that I normally say the non pretentious cigar smokers. Oh, you see, you're doing good. It's yeah. it's a challenge. It's I like, have to think I, about it. <laughs> I have to find the word, but, but we do it because cigar smoking to us is all about community because you sit around, talk to people 
And also it makes you not do stuff. You have to sit there and work on that cigar and talk. Mm. You're not worried about work. You're not worried about any of that stuff. You just sit in there. It is a communal thing for us. So as this building, we go and sitting up on the deck and one of the friends, the aforementioned Joachim Schmidt, Joachim Schmidt's from Boston. He worked in a gallery, curating the gallery, and he's an artist himself, but he also hangs art for rich people in their homes. And he has moved down here. He has a, a partner and they have a, a, a little one, but the three of us were sitting around talking about art. And it's like Sean went to Western Kentucky University and studied editorial photography. Apparently, Western Kentucky University is one of the best editorial ph photography programs in the in the world. So he went there and took that. Joachim's this artist from up there. I'm the guy that doesn't feel like an artist a lot of the times, or at least I was 35. So I come from it from a very working class standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so it was an interesting conversation, the three of us of like the high level art person, the editorial photography person who's been nominated for Pulitzer's and then me, <laughs> like me can barely draw a circle. I think if I tried to draw a circle 25 times, I could not get it right one time, but we're sitting there talking about art for like five hours. And that's all we talked about. So then the next night we're back up there, Sean. Our funny, our friend Lance Diedrich, who's in the was in the PhD program for literature at UT, and we're talking. And all of a sudden, Lance goes, "Man, I'm really thinking about getting into astronomy." So we keep talking. We talk about that a little bit, and then five minutes later, I was like, "Oh my god, dude! I thought you said astrology," and I was about <laughs> to start making fun of you. I was like, and nothing wrong with astrology, but it was just such a weird thing to be so earnest about and about getting into it. So that night I went home. I was like, man, I can't keep having these conversations, man. Somebody needs to be recording these. So I bought the equipment and I recorded an episode. I recorded three episodes in the first day, like a week later. Wow. I recorded one with my friend, Aaron Donovan about mountain biking in the Czech Republic. She had just come back from that trip, interviewed uh, my friends, Adam and Amy Kennedy about they had just done a mission trip in Brazil. And then I did an interview with Adam separately that was friends in the social media age and about like unfollowing people and stuff. Mm. And I just kept doing it. And it took me a while. I banked a ton of episodes before I released it. Like I started recording those in like August, maybe September. And I didn't release an episode until January. Cause I was like, no, I need to bank a bunch. Cause I don't want to have to be stressing. Right. 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 But that's why I started it. And there, there are times where I'm like, holy crap, I don't have anybody to, interview and hannah has been a great help in interviewing a bunch of people and i will tell this on hannah a little bit there's some people i was like yeah talk to your friend she was like oh i just follow them on this uh isaiah where she was like no i just sit by him i, I don't actually know <laughs> i think hannah correct me but i think that was right so it's like i just have these conversations and like even recently i interviewed two people through that she introduced me to one of them was a knife maker and one of them was this muralist and they were both great interviews they were great people. Yeah, there you go. I fangirled him. Yeah. And it was just like, reach out to a bunch of people. And uh, I will say it is kind of a bummer on because uh, I have reached out to some designers and artists and seen the scene and they never responded. 
that's kind of a kick in the kick in the pants like and seeing that a lot to the point to where i was talking to a guy that i'm friendly with online that i i would be willing to bet that when we meet in person he'll uh will hug which is matt stay gray pony boy oh yeah Super mm-hmm. nice matt guy. dawson he, mm-hmm. yeah he and i've chatted and i told him i was like yeah i reached out to these two people and one of them got back to me and we did an episode and the other one it's still sitting there red like he looked at it and he was like well one of those people is a very authentic and nice person and the other one is not <laughs> and he was like i'll let you guess which one's which i was like well it doesn't take much to guess that i but will tell sometimes you, I, go ahead I will tell you the the nice one because he deserves a shout out, Draplin. Mm. So I've known Draplin for thirteen years now, and he's always been nothing but kind and overwhelmingly yeah. sweet to me. Mm. I love that. So sometimes, um, I think that I wish Instagram or some of those let you mark as unread because yeah. then it would stay at the top, or it would, yeah. you know, and it, it would you would want to clear it out. That's been anyway that I don't, I hope nobody's done that to me because I suck at uh, getting back to some people. Okay. So <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to ask you about, uh, I have two more questions. Um, yeah. You have this one. I love. So I just wanted to talk to you about this. So we'll try to make this a five minute question. You okay, have sorry. this box. No, no, you have this box. Oh. And I think a lot of us probably have this. We have these, endless stream of ideas we don't have enough time to do it but you literally have a box it's an envelope box and it's yeah. full of ideas i love that you have this physical reminder you keep it near your desk it's not always on the floor yesterday or whatever we talked before it was like in a yeah it's, it's in a shelf it's in a, in shelf. a shelf yeah yeah so yeah. tell me about what this is what makes it something into the box like what would need to and then how often are you go through going through it? How often do you start making something from the box? Unfortunately, I rarely ever go through it because I don't have the time because I overwhelm myself with everything else. So I have all kinds of stuff. Oh, my God. Here is one that is. So this one right here is all the way back from the MySpace days. Oh, wow. Because I used to do a thing on MySpace every Friday that was called Top 5 Fridays. And it would sometimes be earnest, but for the most of the time, be stupid. Like one of them was the one I remember the most is top five reasons why you can't roller skate in a buffalo herd, which is from a <laughs> Roger Miller song. And so I just made these funny, quick, like it would be a, a tight, you know, because of X. And then I would write like a paragraph explaining why. So these are all top five here's some more earnest ones top five reasons to visit another town top five reasons not to lock your keys in your car in a strange town because that happened to me in Asheville, tennessee Asheville, north carolina uh-huh. top five cookies like so this is one all the way from back then and then i have these little because i know you you would like this i have this stack of the receipts you get when you go into a parking garage trying to get it like that and my thought was i I saw a stack of these in there one time. I was like, man, I would like to take these and draw a landscape or a, a a piece that was represented by somewhere around that parking garage. So I collected a bunch of those. Let's see. Design an old Milwaukee t-shirt and a Brooklyn Dodgers cap. That's literally all that's on there. 
So like, you could leave that one at the top and then you could find some time yeah. in, in March to do one of those. Yeah. But it's also, I have 80 other million things. Like I've got <laughs> another podcast called big man, big fan about interviewing people about their favorite films that I've recorded 20 something episodes. I need to eventually release that. Yes, you, <laughs> you do. Know, like, like I've got all these things. So it's hard to get to this. And I joked with one of my buddies because I did go through this during the pandemic. And I was like, if I had infinite money, infinite people to help, like I have designs in here for, for like a coffee table. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have to build that, I just showed them the example. Mm -hmm. If I had two years, I could still not empty this box. That's how much stuff is in here. And but that's like wild. your top five things. You could do these small little episodes of, so Paul wants to hear your top five cookies, right? Um, and Will thinks you're a big man, big fan. Sounds like a great show also. So, but it's like some, some of that is like, it's just you thinking about your, like making a yeah. list of those cookies, right? Or thinking about what those are. So, so here's one for, for Amy, Diane, and Hannah that will know. Top five cookies, it's going to be Oreo, Oreo, Oreo. <laughs> I am obsessed. For anybody who does not know me, I am obsessed about Oreo to the point to where at every year at Christmas, my dad is retired now, and he will go to yard sales and auctions and thrift stores, and he, anything he finds that is Oreos, he will put in a box, and I've got uh cookie jars i've got a set of four milkshake containers that have the recipe in on the back of them and then one year for my birthday uh oreo sent me a dm on instagram which i know it's an ad agency i'm not stupid but they sent me happy birthday on my birthday and that's that was awesome a, that, that was pure joy that oreo so what do you think happy. You know, those new Oreos, I didn't try them because my yeah. husband has diabetes. So um, we don't buy, but I do like yeah. Oreos, but I prefer the black parts. I actually would prefer See, someone I'm the else. opposite. <gasps> See, then you can have all my innards yeah. and I can have yeah. your outsides. Okay. So, but there is now this, like, it's a thicker inner stuff, right? They so came it's, out this it's. It, this it's year the, christmas the the most oreo oreo okay and it's and it's got it's almost like if you took two i think double stuffs and took like the cookie the cream the cream the cookie and put it but the, it's also part of the cream tastes like uh cookie cookies and cream or like cookie dough it Ooh. doesn't really it doesn't yeah. really <laughs> it just yeah. tastes like oreo cream but it's delicious and I love it. And people keep sending me where they're finding them. I was like, oh, I bought like four packs of them when they came out. I'm not stupid. Like I, I buy so many Oreos. So Kroger has me so dialed in that once a month I get coupons from Oreo uh, for Kroger. If you know, you use your rewards card every once in a while, I will get a free thing of Oreos. Like every two, once every two months, I will get a free pack of Oreos, which I think is hilarious. I That's do love much that is my that would probably be one of my favorite is Oreos. Um, but but also on the flip side, I, I make cookies that people will actually fight over because I'm very good at making Ghirardelli chocolate chip sea salt cookies hmm. that now that I have a job, I will. The last time I brought them in, I brought like four containers because it was for like a Christmas thing. And before lunch, the four containers were gone. 
Oh like my that's goodness. how good my cookies. But I've worked really hard over the years to also I'm a I'm a husky boy, so I I know how to cook and eat. So anyway, okay. Sorry, sorry. Okay, last the, the that box. was good. That was six okay. minutes. So that was good. Okay. We did good. I love I just want to encourage people to have that idea box. I yeah. think it was really good. So um what is the thing that you've learned about yourself since COVID or during COVID for from the last two years since the pandemic? Um that has been most impactful to your life or business? Uh, let's go with life. Okay. Uh, Cause I just had this discussion with my buddy, Adam Kennedy, uh, as growing up as a, as a guy, especially in the, you know, eighties, uh, you were always taught not to uh, cry and not mm. to show emotion. Like the only emotion we could show in the family was rage <laughs> or <laughs> anger. Like you did not show, you did not cry. And I would say I have cried more in the pandemic, uh, than I probably did the 40 something years before. Wow. And it's, here's, here's a sarcastic thing to say. I'm six foot seven, 285 pounds. What more do I need to prove that I am a man? so just shirk that away and be okay with crying like i went and saw my favorite band in nashville last fall uh seager rose out of iceland since we have someone from outside the country on here mm -hmm. i don't know if you've heard them but i saw them at the ryman and i cried violently twice during two of their songs to the point to where i was reaching in my pockets and grabbing onto my thighs as hard as possible to not completely lose it because their music means that much to me and uh just being okay with that i think That's as far awesome. as my i think as far as my business it's uh grab the people that care about you and you care about tighter and mm. keep moving them forward with you like mm. keep pulling them out of the out of the darkness with you but yeah the thing about not not being afraid to cry yeah that's a big, I think that, that that's a, a that's a great um, that's a great thing to learn. I am thankful that I mean, I still think with girls we're, you know, I remember I think my mom will remember the first time I did not cry when I got stung by a bee. Mm. I think I was four because I and so I didn't cry anymore um when things because they i i was called a crybaby for a long mm. a lot of a lot of my life or <laughs> the four years i guess it was a lot of my life at the time so i didn't want that to be hanging over me but then i remember um the first my mom and my sister would really tear up at movies or yeah. uh the little house in the prairie little house in the prairie and i would be like what are they crying at but then E.T. I was, I think, <laughs> seven when I saw E.T., maybe six. And I saw it and I cried at E.T. And then the waterworks have never shut off. Like I I remember when I went to see this is a Tennessee um, based movie, um, The The Blind Side. I loved that movie. Yeah. I love football movies. But it, um, and this lady I went with, she was like, when I, I mean, I bring tissues, like I yeah. bring a jacket that will hold my, you know, that won't look funny. So my best friend, Tara, she's like, are you going to wear your slicker? 
because I cry <laughs> that much. So then um, my this lady who I had gone with, she was like, um, I didn't know you were sick. And I was like, sick. Did you not just watch the same movie with yeah. me? Like, oh, my gosh, I had gone through like a whole half a box of tissues, probably. But it is just a release. It's so good. And Amy said crying is therapeutic. I absolutely believe that. Like, it, it's a release, right? So I want to tell you, since you brought, brought up movies. So one is the last time I cried in a movie theater is uh, I went and saw the film World Trade Center with oh. Nicolas Cage and Michael yeah, Pena. I remember. Mm -hmm. And this is the dumbest thing. 9-11 impacted me in a way. I'm just some schmuck from East Tennessee. But for whatever reason, 9-11 has stuck with me on a level that is just like, it doesn't make sense because I don't know anybody that was there. I don't live there. I And in fact, at that point, I had never been to New York. But for whatever reason, that still sticks in the back of my mind. And seeing that film, there weren't many people in the theater. And mm -hmm. at the very end, I'm not kidding. There were maybe 11 of us in the theater and every single person stayed through the credits. Just, you could hear everyone openly weeping mm. like at the end of that. But on the flip side, it's because I gave you a funny one. So my little sister, I've taken her to almost every Pixar film pre pandemic. So we're sitting there. And if anybody knows you're watching toy story three and there are like three, two or three times during that film where they are trying, like it's like Pixar is reaching through the screen to try and extract tears from you to the point to where my buddy, Michael may, and I'm going to clean this one up. Uh, he, his tweet was the best. He was like Pixar for 20 years. You've been trying to get me a cry. You finally won. You. B-A-S-T-A-R-D-S. <laughs> and Michael is not a cusser. So that made it even better, but we're sitting there watching toy story three. My little sister sitting next to me, just bawling, bawling. And I watch it and uh, it gets, it's not, I don't want to spoil it. It's the actual end end mm -hmm. and with, uh, I'm going to say with Andy, that is the scene that I was sitting there grabbing onto my skin. Cause I was like, I can't cry in front of my little sister. I can't. Cause I wasn't to that point yet in my right. life, but I was sitting there. She's just like. Oh, I like died. And she, well, cause she was like in high school or something. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like holding on for dear life. Like, Oh my God, Pixar, what are you doing to me, <laughs> right. man? That's like, we went and saw up and we went at like a 10 AM on a Sunday screening and we're sitting there watching it. And that opening happens. And my sister's just like dying, crying. And I'm just sitting there like, it's too early for this, man. <laughs> what is happening? What is happening? Like, oh my god, like, <laughs> but it took until if I get sorry, I hate to no. keep dragging this on. So, the thing that kind of broke me was during the pandemic, I wasn't making any money, and this is like the second time I think I've said this, uh, ever. Like, I think I said it on a recent episode with my buddy Adam Kennedy, but it's that episode's like four hours long. Adam and is the only one who's gotten all the way through, <laughs> but it was during the pandemic. I wasn't sure how I was going to make it. And it was getting towards the winter right before Christmas, 2020, I think it was 2020, not 2021. And like all my work had dried up, uh, the little bit of unemployment I got was, was gone. And I'm just sitting there. I was like, I don't know how there were times where I didn't eat because I just didn't have the money to go eat. And 
one of my buddies who worked in tech, who works in tech, uh, apparently I'd shared this with him and I didn't even remember that I'd shared this with him. And there's a knock on the door and there is a box from butcher box. And he said, Hey man, uh, I didn't want to have to worry about you worrying about how you were going to eat. So I got you a six month subscription to butcher box. And I was like, this is too much. He's like, I'd make a lot of money. You're fine. And I stood in my living room mm. with a Christmas song playing on my TV, looking at this butcher box and just could not stop crying for like 10 minutes. Mm. Cause it was like, I'm as silly as it sounds, I'm going to live to be here. I'm going to be here another day because mm. I don't have to worry about this now for six months. Mm. And it's, that's an incredibly hard thing to admit or talk about. Cause everybody now is like, well, you should have told me I would have helped. I was like, the pandemic was open-ended. Yeah. It wasn't like it just, right. it was like, oh, we're three months and we're done. And it was just like, holy shit. Uh, sorry. It's sorry. okay. <laughs> holy shnikes. I just said SHI. Holy shnikes. I'm going to, I'm going to make it. Like it was, it was incredibly hard. And it was, I don't know. I can never think what's sad is that guy and I are no longer friends. And, <sighs> uh, there's part of me that wants to just go and abduct him in Florida and say, Hey, dummy, we need to figure this out. Like, cause mm -hmm. he was crappy to me and didn't like me pointing out that he was crappy to me. Mm -hmm. And that is so stupid and so machismo that it's, I, I need to pull him away and kidnap him and just be like, Hey, dummy, we need to figure this out. This is stupid. But I can't do it because I tolerated a lot of him being crap, even though he did that one thing that was great for me. Like there was a lot of very negative things. So that you talk about building community and family, that's really hard. Extracting somebody from that family mm. circle. That's like, you know what? I have tolerated a lot. And even though they have been there for me a couple of times, it's, it's still not enough. It's still not enough for the abuse and negativity and just awfulness that they there are no there is no checklist we're like well i did these three good things so i get to be crappy to you right. in this way so right yeah well jody thank you so much yeah thanks sorry for, for sharing no don't sorry for making this super long <laughs> no it was good it was really good i yeah. i am very glad that we got to have your really special and your funny yeah. and your you're a great storyteller and you have great um, ideas and you're um, so much embody what we, so many of us are like, you know, we, we, but you are okay um, sharing it and bringing people in. And you're just one of the, you're friendly, super friendly, but you're also really smart and you're a great designer. So <laughs> it, it it's, I'm just glad to be on the other side and be able to interview you because you've yeah. interviewed so many people and you've been able to hear their stories. And I'm, I'm really glad that we got yeah. to do yours today. So I just want to make sure everybody can um, follow Jody. So there's two ways or three ways, really, I guess, Jody Collins, but I'm, so then oops, how come it didn't hit return? Uh, oh yeah. Here, I'll, I'll, nope. I'll make it funny. Follow at Jody Collins on Instagram. If you want to see abandoned cigarette packs and crazy food. So then there's feral giant F E R A L giant, just like it says. Yeah. And then ramblin man pod.com. 
yeah, or no rambling man, yeah, no yeah. rambling like uh, we'd say in the South was with an apostrophe. Yeah. Um, um, but Jody, just thank you. And I am, oh. uh, I am so you did so good on the. Thank you um, for having me on. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to have you back. And for me, you are a great embodiment of what this month is about uh, and giving back. You give back to a lot of people. Um, we didn't even talk so much about that, but I know you have, you've done this and this and this and this and helped all these people. And you've, um, and you just wouldn't say it because you are humble, um, but you have helped a lot of people and you're always thinking about other people. And I just want to say thank you for, for being that way because it helps um, the world is better. And I just, I appreciate you. And I hope I get to see you at a creative South sometime. Um, that would be awesome. And um, I'm, I'm just glad that you're my friend. And when I see you, I'll, uh, I'll give you a very short person hug. <laughs> <laughs> and my, Maya said she loved listening to you. Oh, and and Paul you. said, you have such a big heart. Thanks for sharing. Oh, thank Shari said she enjoyed listening to your creative stories. Um, she said, thanks for having a Saturday creatives ignite. I can't make it to the Wednesday afternoon always. Um, uh, so Jody, you get to pick two winners and we're going to keep this um, recording and then I'm going to um, let everybody go. So tell me when oh, stop. God. You can stop at any time. You, you can tell me. Okay. Stop. Oh, okay. Hey, uh, Paul, you are a winner. Okay. So Paul, you're going to be get the love on design. How come I'm exercising? Somehow you had me excited so much that my, my, well, my watch was like, you're exercising again. Nope. Okay. So, all right. One more. Stop. Okay. That's me. Go there. <laughs> I can't win. Stop. Shari Holly, you are the other winner. Woohoo. So, Shari, I'm going to email you and you're going to have to send me your address. I already have Paul's. <laughs> so, um, so don't think that it's not me i'll just be emailing you so thank you guys all oh go ahead i was gonna say and shari please feel free to dm me with any recommendations in atlanta for food or donuts or coffee i would gladly appreciate that and sorry to uh, sorry sorry food takes over for ramping out of, no i'm just kidding sorry <laughs> <laughs> well jody thank you so much and thank, thank y'all all for coming to a saturday one i really appreciate it and um i will see you on wednesday we have uh we're starting the new series and it is um um it, it's where are they now and it is uh bob ewing's gonna start it off for us so i'm excited and um just jody thank you so much for today yeah thank you 